Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Hi, this is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Kirkland back at you here, and I'm here with um, Captain Trish Dock. How are you doing, Trish? I'm great, sir. Excited to be here. How are you? All right, great. I see you have changed. the. I know the people who aren't on video on YouTube that has this uh, this this podcast. You'll see your background now has some additional things, including, you know, some of your, what do we call that? We call that the I love me wall or the uh, <laughs> things like that. So I'm representing love, the Air Force and the Marine Corps. Yeah. So that's your, your husband was in the Marine Corps and he you was. were in the Air Force and I'm looking forward to seeing an army thing up there very soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll represent it soon enough. Okay. Well, great. Well, today we're going to talk about the whole person concept and uh, the importance of, um, of that uh, idea. And so when I think of whole person concept, there's an acronym that the Army ROTC uses, you know, based on my background, Army, Army ROTC, which is a SAL, uh, scholar, athlete, and leader. And uh, the ROTCs or service academies are looking for a person who embodies those three areas well. And so um, I think today we're going to probably talk more about leadership, but uh, maybe maybe quickly, uh, Trish, you can talk about what scholar and athlete and what we're looking at with those two in this kind of whole person concept. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point is it's it's kind of obvious what when you when you say scholar and athlete, right, you're getting you're getting good grades in school. You have a high GPA, your SAT, ACT scores are sufficient for the academies, competitive. Mm -hmm. And from the athletic standpoint perspective, you're participating in in sports, hopefully varsity sports. You're striving for a team captain position. And those are very quantifiable aspects of the scholar-athlete-leader model. But And it's really what most high school students tend to focus on is their, their scholar, you know, going to classes, doing your homework, and and your athletics. A lot of a lot of uh, students play sports, but what's really underemphasized, but I think is one of the most important aspects, is leadership. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, I think that you know, when you look at you know, scholar, all the things that you mentioned, including, of course, uh, you know, making sure you have a curriculum that's strong and doing you know the things that you want to do when you go to college. Um, and then the athlete, you know, obviously you hit that right on the head, but yeah, I mean the, the leadership portion, I, I think, you know, really it's not just leadership, but it's also, uh, and you know, you and I have talked about this a lot is, you know, what your motivations are for going into the military and trying to divine those things. So it's not just, you know, the fact that you're president of your class or you're, um, the captain of the basketball team or whatever you are, but you know, what is your motivation for wanting to go into the military? And why, what is your motivation for going to 
um, a service academy or ROTC program. So let me let me throw out a scenario to you of a person that I knew who who will go unnamed, who went through three years of college and was not and 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 didn't do ROTC in the three years of college that he was going that he went through. So after these three years of college, he then goes and decides to apply for a, a, for West Point. And then he, so I asked the um, father of this uh, candidate, I said, well, why didn't you go through ROTC for, you know, the, because all you have is a, a couple years to go and you can do Army ROTC and get this done in two years and get out into, into the force and be a second lieutenant in the United States Army. You know, his response to me was, no, 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 no. We, he, he, we want him to go to West Point or he wants to go to West Point. And so when you're facing a situation where you're, say, a sophomore or junior in college, you've got to go back and be a freshman again in college and take four more years of, uh, of college. That takes a lot of humility. Yeah, it does. But the, que- but the overall question there is, why are you doing this? In other words, what, what is the reason why you're going? What's the reason why we go to a, a service academy or to an ROTC program? It's, it's because you want to have the prestige and of going to a, uh, to West Point and saying for the rest of your life that you went to the U.S. Military Academy West Point, put in Air Force or Navy or whatever else you you know other, or is the reason that you want to lead soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines as a second lieutenant in the United States Army, executing the missions that the United States government needs you to do and and to fulfill your the ultimate mission of whatever the commissioning source is. So they really didn't, he didn't really have a, a good answer for me on that one. And it, it, it kind of continues to bother me a little bit, even though this person eventually went through four years and then graduated and now is in the force. But there's, you know, two or three years where that person could have been in the force doing things for the military. But because of the, what I consider to be kind of the what I think a number of people see is the academies of graduating as a, as a into itself rather than the, what the purpose of the military academy is, which is serving as a second lieutenant. So the question there is, what is the motivation? What is the overall motivation of, the, of that person? Is, that, is, it, is it just to have graduated from the academy or is it to serve? What's the, what is the, what's the thing that's driving that person to wanting to do all of this? And so I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I think it just brings up some questions. And and the other another example would be someone who is being interviewed for say a service academy, and then a person on the interview committee says, "Well, what happens if you're not selected for an academy?" And then suddenly there's a blank stare on this person's face, and they don't really have an answer for that person. So then the question, if I'm on that committee, comes up is, "What is the purpose of what you're doing here? Is it because you're?" you know, because you want to graduate from a prestigious academy or is it because you want to serve as a, as a lieutenant or an ensign or whatever, you know, lieutenant or an ensign in, 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 in our military? What is your ultimate goal? What is the ultimate reason you, you are doing this in the end? And if your answer is, well, I'm not, if it's an academy or nothing, you have to question the motivation of that person. And if that person's doing it for the right reasons, you know, in the end, and if they understand the larger picture. So am I being too tough here? Uh, and please, you know, Trish, tell me if I'm being too tough. I may be, but uh, it's just just my kind of initial rant or thinking about on this issue. 
No, I don't think you're being too tough at all. The, my perspective, the only other perspective that I could offer is sometimes there's folks who don't come from military families who find out about the service academies and maybe they don't even know about ROTC. They don't know what ROTC is. They think it's just junior ROTC is in high school and then that's it. And because they're so new to this community, they haven't done the research yet to figure out, okay, are there different options? So to them, they want, they want to join the military. They want to commission and they don't even, they're not even really aware of ROTC and, and all of the, the opportunities there. And that's just a matter of not educating yourself. However, if you go into an interview and you don't know about ROTC, have you really done the due diligence have you really shown to the committee that you are prepared and, and know what you're taking on? Because if you don't even know about ROTC and you want to go to a service academy and you're in a congressional interview or you're in your uh, liaison officer interview, I would question, okay, is this someone that's really committed and ready to be an officer if they can't even figure out the different ways to become an officer? What do you think of a person who doesn't get into an academy and then, but uh, is offered an ROTC scholarship and turns it down. In other words, West Point Academy or nothing. Yeah. And we, have, and we have candidates that we work with who are like that. We do. And that's a really tough question because from my perspective, if they're turned down from an academy and they turn down an ROTC scholarship, I'm almost happy that they did that because... I don't want that person. I want a person who's going to put the needs of the service and the constitution supporting and defending the constitution above their own personal gain. Now we, we're all, we all have personal gain and we're all going to prioritize ourselves to some extent, but if you aren't willing to commission because you believe that a second Lieutenant out of West Point is, is better than a second Lieutenant out of army ROTC, then I, I want go enjoy your civilian life and do something else. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think you're right on there. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's also myopic, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I think, you know, that it's, it's, you know, it's really not understanding the larger picture of what, what's really going on. And the fact that ROTC produces the vast majority of our officers and, and, they're serving in, you know, in, in senior positions and are probably the most important commissioning sources that we have in the, in the military. And so, um, yeah, it's an education piece, but it's also a, um, you know, just, just having your, you know, your, your priorities and understanding what your priorities are. So, so I guess, um, I guess, um, you know, we just have to kind of look at that and kind of see and, and kind of educate people in that regard uh, in order to make sure that they can do that. But I mean, it gets to kind of the larger ideas of, you know, why you're doing this. So rant over why <laughs> we do it. You know, why, why? So the question is, why are we doing what we're doing? And why are we, why are you going into the, the armed services? I think. Yeah. And, and doing the research to figure out what it's going to be like mm-hmm. is, is key. is key there um, to figure out what, you know, what career fields you're interested in and all the things that we talk about with, with the students that we work with, but getting kind of getting back to the leadership piece, 
you know, of the 10,000 candidates that apply to each service academy every year, how, what percentage of them, sir, do you think actively take on leadership roles uh, and would be would kind of meet the the criteria for leader in the scholar athlete leader model, and what does that look like? Yeah, I'd say you know the the vast majority are probably doing some sort of leadership uh, in some way, shape, or form, whether that's you know in their high school uh, doing something in their high school, being a captain of a team, you know, leading in you know being some sort of leader in their church and maybe a private organization, maybe in a uh, you know, a military, uh, a high school military organization like a Civil Air Patrol or something like that. Uh, I, I think there are, I think the majority of people are doing that. It, it's really what I see is the quality of, of those, of those leadership roles. And um, in particular, and we've talked about this before, is the emphasis on the peer leadership piece of this, which um, is important. And, you know, if you look at the service academies and, and I'll make this argument a lot is that, you know, is that, You'll notice if you look at the percentages that are class presidents, uh, it's extremely, I mean, it's almost crazy high how, how much, I think it's like what, 15% or something about mm-hmm. maybe if it's higher than that. And that indicates to me that the service academy values the class president as a particular role, because what it shows is, is that your peers are the ones that are uh, that that value you value you as a leader because let's face it you can do a lot of leadership outside of school or outside of and and, and become a, a quote unquote leader through a lot of different things and you know your parents could have been the one that you know set you set you up in these organizations but it's not uh, it's a very very rare, you know you're not going to see a situation where someone's elected class president because mommy wanted you know you to be the <laughs> class president you know what i mean and so you know what i mean and so it's kind of you know I, the the bs filter that the academies have and i think rotc's maybe to a less degree about what's a true leadership position and what's not is uh, you know it's pretty easy to see and, and when you take a look at the all of these uh uh candidates uh you know records and you take a look at all of them you take a look at the ones that we've had you can see which ones, you know, seem to be the ones that are to, to truly standout leaders versus somebody who's not quite as much of a standout leader. But that doesn't mean you can't improve, you know? Sure. And, and there's no time like the present to improve. <laughs> jump, jump into anything now. But I mean, one of the big things that I see is differentiating between if a leadership position was elected by your peers or selected by an adult. Team captains is a great example. Is that something where your team came together and elected you as team captain or did the coach choose? And you can communicate that and you can show that, you know, my peers chose me to to be the football team captain versus my coach. And those small little nuances do matter. And, And it's also a good thing for, you know, if you're an underclassman now in high school to start thinking about, okay, my relationships with my peers matter if I'm going to be a leader, you know, thinking about what leadership looks like and not just, you know, bossing everybody around as a leader, but actually having charisma and not just relying on positional authority. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's awesome uh, example of that. You know, it's, uh, and there is like, you know, in, in the application, there's spaces to do that on the application, you know, in your ROTC or service academy application, 
you know, they list, there's usually an additional comment box and it's important to kind of put down those things, you know, that elected by peers, you know, or like you were saying, I mean, that, that, that may not seem to be uh, evident, but it is something I think that's very, very important. That's why like the service academy will, uh, will tend to give more points and more, give more consideration to somebody who's the captain of a very popular team, for example, the football team or the, you know, women's basketball team, women's soccer team, or, you know, whatever it is, the, the popular sports in school. Because first of all, the tendency is that, it, you know, it, it attracts probably higher quality athletes in some, some respect. I not, don't want to disparage other sports, but, you know, it gets a lot of attention, gets a lot of, uh, you know, school attention or whatever. So then, you know, the, the selection of the captain in that sport is known throughout the school in, in, in a lot of ways. So if you're the captain of the, of the, of the football team, people are going to know that you're the captain of the football team versus I think it would, you'd be hard pressed to ask in, in a typical high school who the president of the tennis team is. I mean, who the captain of the tennis team is. You're hating on tennis. <laughs> <laughs> tennis or I don't know. Let's think of another one. Uh, I don't know you know, cross country. I don't know. I'm yeah, just those are two example. You wouldn't really, in my high school, you wouldn't know who the captain of the cross country team was. Yeah. And I think if you, if you pull that out too, it's like thinking about, okay, why does the military want folks who have good relationships with their peers? When you're commissioning as a second Lieutenant and you're 21, 22 years old, you know, yes, you're going to have a lot of other 20, 19, 18 year olds working for you, you're also going to have people in their 30s working for you. So it's important to have that ability to to be able to communicate effectively with people and lead people. Right. And then in the ROTCs or in the service academies, it's really all about peer leadership. The four years you're there, you know, you're going to be leading your peers. So uh, that is even, you know, that in the short term, that's even more important, you know, is that, you know, generally, if you were ostracized by your peers, in high school, it's likely that you're going to continue that ostr- being ostracized to a degree in in, in ROTC or in, in in the service academy. So it's going to continue to follow you because whatever traits you had or whatever you know kind of characteristics you had is going to continue uh, there later. Versus um, you know a person you know who you know is head of the student senate and and uh, organize the you know the the senior prom. Like I've dealt with a couple of candidates recently who've done that. To me, I mean, I I don't know about you and your senior prom, but I wouldn't want to put it in in the hands of somebody I didn't trust. I want to have a great I want to have a great senior prom, and and if you know if I knew some if somebody who I didn't think was a good leader was running it, I'm going like no way because this is my senior prom. This is an important part of you know kind of who I am. So so I'd say that you know. That's kind of where the the academies and ROTCs kind of look at things, and you know, in more depth and and um, you know, nuance in those ways, you know. Uh, so, but that's not saying I don't think that you can, you know, somebody who is not in those positions can't continue to to iteratively improve themselves over the time. And and so I think you hit on it earlier is you know getting involved in things, you know, finding leadership opportunities, just improving your leadership over time by volunteering in with leadership. And what you find is if you volunteer, 
you know, organize people, you get better at what you're doing so that by the time, say, you are a senior and you're getting ready to go, you've improved your ability to work with others. You know, you've improved yourself and you, you, you learn how to work with others, you know, rather than kind of to a, rather than avoiding it, you know, you meet it head on and, and work and develop those kind of things. So well, sometimes what I what I uh, recommend candidates to do is, you know, do you see some trash on your road outside your, you know, your in your community? Why don't you, you know, organize a, a you know, a cleanup of that, get a couple of your friends together and some of their friends and organize it and, and you know, give and, and clean up your community. Maybe there's a food drive you want to do. Maybe you can get some of your friends to help you with that and, and have them get your other friends to do that. And then from that, you learn and get the respect of your peers. And then that builds on other things or something yeah, like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. One of the dead giveaways is when you're in an interview and someone asks you, okay, can you tell me about when you were the you know leader of this charity organization can you tell me you know an example of a time that you had a success an example of a time that you had a failure and what you learned from that and if you didn't actually do a whole lot as a leader there you're really it's going to be hard for you to come up with solid answers for that so actually you know investing the time into your leadership responsibilities and Potentially, you know, some, some you might become a leader in an organization and there's really not a lot going on. And so students use that as an excuse. Well, you know, there it wasn't, we weren't having meetings or this happened. And that's not acceptable because as a leader, it's up to you to make things happen. So you need to take the initiative to put those meetings together and find some underlying ways to unify the team if that's what's going on. Right. And you talk about failures, too. I mean, if you're really invested in an organization, you're going to have failures along the way, too. So that the 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 almost all of the interviews get at this kind of example of failure, you know, or or a, a time that you've had difficulty, you know. So, um, you know, if you ever if you really care about anything or care about an organization you're going to involve and in, you're going to hit rough spots like I had a candidate this year who was having difficulty getting his organization um, uh, recognized by the school, and so he had to fight a battle for a year to get the get you know the money and the recognition to even start an organization in his high school. You know, so that's someone who's fighting through you know administ- an administrative issue, feeling strongly about something, and then eventually pushing through. I mean, so that's a person who you know is a leader, a person who cares about something who you know, faces some sort of opposition or, you know, or difficulty works through it. And then we see a success on the other end of it, you know? So, um, you know, another, again, another indicator of somebody who, you know, is a leader as they say. So, you know, um, so I mean, so it's multidimensional. It doesn't necessarily have to be in, in, you know, your high school doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, in, in your community, it can be, you know, the, like civil air patrol or junior ROTC or something like that, but it can be a multitude of different organizations. And there's, you know, if there's a problem, it probably needs a solution and you can, you can insert yourself in there and, and, and be, and, and make a difference. And finding out what the problems are and your passion and your area of passion. If, you know, if you're, whether it's, Maybe you're going to go research this issue as an intern somewhere 
and hope, you know, there's, there's just so many different options. It doesn't have to be the traditional option. You know, as, as long as you're, you have responsibility, you have a job, you can work your way up the ladder at work. You could become the, the store manager. There's just so many room, room for different things that the academies want to see. Yeah. You know, and we talk about a job. I think that's oftentimes. Okay. So the military and, 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 and a lot of parents, I think, and, and candidates don't really understand this is that, is that we are more practical in, 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 in who we are as people. We're, we're, you know, we're less interested in the fact that you went to Africa and fed the children in Africa versus actually and there's nothing wrong with going to Africa and feeding the children on your parents, that your parents flew you over there to do that. Or, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, is that actually having a job where you're actually working in a, you know, with adults and having to execute a mission to be able to do something like just simply being like a server at a, at a restaurant and being able to have to do cooking something in a restaurant. I had a candidate a couple of years ago who was a assistant manager of the frozen food section of a Target store. And he was supervising people in their 30s. And if the and he had a, he had generators that broke down and he had to figure out how to get these generators repaired. We would have lost millions of dollars worth of food in the Target store. And he had to actually fire people who weren't doing what they were supposed to do in the, in the section. He was he was 18 years old. Yeah. So what does that tell you? You know, okay. So sometimes we downplay having a job, having, you know, having a, a paying job. But to me, I mean, that shows me sometimes if you can really talk about things like that, more leadership than, you know, than some sort of, you know, esoteric organization that, you know, you or someone else may have gotten you into, you know, where you're doing something. So, so do not under, do not underestimate a paying job. In my and especially for service academies, I, I found that the it's it seems like it's very critical. And if you have a job, definitely talk about it if you're applying to a service academy during your congressional nomination interview. Because Congress men and women love to hear about the responsibilities of a job because it's it's exactly what you're saying, sir. Yeah. And paid work is lots of points on a lot of these things. Uh, sometimes they make an emphasis about paid work year round and they're trying to get at maybe people who, you know, are maybe of, uh, that need to support their family. So they want to give them additional bump. But I think even a part-time job over the summer or something can be huge. And the life lessons that you learn over a period of time in, in being, in doing a job, I think the leadership there is just tremendous in a Absolutely. lot of ways. And so I think it's something that what I see with some parents is they, they keep their kids away from a paying job and some, you know, and to do other things. And, you know, I can understand if it, if it impedes, you know, during the academic year impedes your ability to be able to, you know, to do your homework and things like that. But oftentimes what you'll see over the summer is there it's jam packed full of, you know, of, these extracurriculars at the expense of, you know, maybe having a, a part-time paying job that, you know, will, that will introduce them to other things that I think are, you know, such as what we just talked about that I think is maybe in my mind, more important life lessons than just, you know, simply adding another extracurricular in the summertime. 
Definitely. There's just so many nuances with the scholar athlete leader model, but I think like we've been talking about leadership, it's just a lot harder to define than scholar and athlete. So I'm really glad that we could kind of dive into that today. Yeah. So I know also in the blog post that we just did, you talked a little bit about values. Yes. I noticed and that values and we, we always, and you know that I've done, you know, some ranting on, on values, right. Too. So, um, you know, army values, Navy values, air force values. So, so what's that all about? And why, why did you bring that up in your blog post? Cause you you wrote that blog post, uh, that we, that listeners can find on our site, on our site, I should say. I mean, it really, it comes back to why are you joining the military in the first place? And personally, I don't believe that many students who don't have the right reasons for commissioning into the service will make it through four years at a really competitive, you know, just nose to the grindstone all the time with, with the service academies and, and just the, the, the strict, the rules. And, um, unless you are there for the right reasons, a lot of students can't hack it. And so that's why, you know, most classes start with 12, 1300, uh, pointees and then graduate with uh, around a thousand, maybe 950, something along those lines. And a lot of it's because I don't think the students really understood what they were taking on mm-hmm. to begin with. So I think this is all solved with the core values. If every uh, service academy appointee could just spend a month studying the core values before they went there and mm-hmm. really understanding what those core values are, I think we would have way less attrition at the service academies. And I'll, I'll just harp on Air Force because they're obviously the best. But of course they are, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. They're, they're short, they're to the point, but I think they encompass most of, of the core values. And you have to do the right thing all the time. That, and that's really, there's no, you, there's no other option. You just, you always have to put the right thing or your integrity first. Uh, and then, you know, service before self, this gets back to the leadership aspect. And it's like, why do you want to be a leader? Do you want to be a leader because you want to look good? Or are you actually interested in serving your soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and guardians now at the Space Force? Yeah, see, I love that one. I love the service before self. I love that with the Air Force. because, because And then if you can show that your leadership in high school was reflective of that to a degree, I, I, think, it's, I think that's even stronger in a lot of ways because, you know, particularly like if you're, you know, in a peer leadership position, like say if you're captain of the football team, rather than saying, you know, my peers love me and I'm captain of the football team and thank you. It's, you know, I use that, that position to, you know, change the character of the team before we would, we would bully incoming freshman football players. But this year, me and the other two captains decided we were going to change the way that we did things and we received freshman football candidates in. Or, you know, you can talk about like how you helped encourage other people to become better parts of themselves. You know, how did you use your leadership position to not not just aggrandize yourself, but to serve others in those positions? And so when you're thinking about when you're in that leadership position, definitely, I think, 
the ROTCs and service academies are interested in that kind of thought. You're like, what, how did you use your leadership position? And, you know, if you can show that you were thinking of others before yourself, uh, I think that's huge uh, as far as being able to, you know, to, to show them that you're embodying these values. How did you improve your group, your team, your school, your community, anything? Exactly. Exactly. No matter what that is. So service above self is awesome. I mean, integrity first is great too, but service above self really gets to, um, you know, that. And the final one is? Excellence in all we do. What does that mean to you? I mean, always pushing yourself, always challenging yourself to improve and to be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, never taking the easy way out, just always choosing the more difficult path. So uh, with the understanding and the knowledge that you are trying to become the best leader possible. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you pursue excellence every day without fail. So leading by example all the time for your people, when you're a cadet or midshipman, when you're a second lieutenant, it doesn't matter you always set the example and you, you aim for, you know, you aim for perfection. You're not going to hit perfection, but you do the best that you can. And it's going, you know, as long as you keep making those strides, that's the important thing. Yep, exactly. And, and, uh, you know, the army couldn't just do three. So I think we did like seven. <laughs> seven. But one of the ones that I really like with the army is respect. You know what I mean? Is that, that is like, one of my favorite and it does, and it does address sort of the, the air force values in, in a lot of ways, but respect to me is, you know, respecting others, um, you know, no matter who they are, whether, you know, it's, it's basically respecting the, in, the integrity of each individual person as a human being, whether or not they're whatever sexual persuasion they are, whatever sex they are, whatever nationality or, or race that they are, that you respect that person for who they, who they are. Uh, and, um, and understanding that because, you know, to me, respect is a bedrock of almost everything that, that we, that you do as a leader. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they do that, you know, they'll, I'll, when we prepare people for service, account, for the congressional nomination, sometimes some of the civilian questioners will come out and say, you know, what do you think of the homosexual policy? in the military or, or, you know, what do you think of women in the military or whatever? And the answer, or what do you think of, you know, transsexuals in the, just name, or what do you think of Martians in the military or whatever that is? Not Martians. That's obviously not, you know, not the real one, but what I'm saying is, is that who do you think of anything in any, to me, what it boils down to is respect. Do you respect other people? Do you respect other human beings for who they are as people? You know, and and, you know, are you going to show them the the, uh, you know, the the, I don't want to say respect again, I'm thinking of another word, but, you know, you show them the thing, you know, what they deserve as a human being, you know, I mean, and, 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 uh, the compassion, right, um, right exactly treating others like, you know, following the golden rule, treating others like you want to be treated and, and just making sure that all the time, you know, it's not it's. If, if no one's watching, how do you act to me? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's, goes back to, I think, integrity and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so, you know, if they can do the job, if they can do the job that they're given, whatever that is, you know, physic- mentally and physically, uh, you know, that should be the only criteria that one uses in those cases. And that just goes back to respect. Um, 
you know, and that also includes your, uh, our, our international partners or even our enemy. And, uh, you know, you're, you know, do you have that bedrock of respect? You know, if you don't respect your enemy as human beings, you're going to commit atrocities mm-hmm. against them because you don't see them as your fellow human beings. You see them as some sort of, you know, subhuman. You know, which is what we've seen so many times in our in our history, you know, whether it's the Nazis looking at the Jews or the way that, you know, that, you know, that the way that other people were demeaned, demeaned you know, their opposition in the past. So it's it's all about kind of the respect. And that's why I think it's in any time you see kind of any sort of issues that we have in the military, like, for example, sexual assault, sexual harassment, uh, um, you know, failings and everything, it really boils down to a respect issue, in my opinion. So, um, so you know, that's, I think, another key thing that can be brought out. And it's going to be brought out in your questions when they ask you about the diversity question, or they ask you about, you know, particularly the, the diversity question. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're getting at kind of, you know, when, when have you seen, when have you experienced people other than yourself and shown that respect that, that's due to them? Yeah, all excellent questions and all I all things that not a lot of students really focus on until they start writing their essays because they're asked straight up in the essays. So if you're listening to this right now, now's the opportunity to go out there and start, you know, pursuing, you know, maybe getting out of your comfort zone a little bit, volunteering for that that job, that leadership position, um, just building those relationships to eventually take a leadership position because you got to start somewhere. You're not just going to be a leader in a group. First, you have to join the group. So, so, you know, get started now and go out and fail, be willing to fail, fail gracefully, and then pick yourself up and keep going. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and oh, by the way, continue to build up your body as, as, uh, and, and through athletics and through, you know, getting ready for all the physical fitness tests and, and keep your straight A's or your A's and, and continue to work towards your SAT and ACT scores and all of those things while you're doing uh, those things also. So we don't want to, of course, de-emphasize the scholar-athlete piece of this, but today's discussion was kind of on leadership, motivation, uh, embodying the values and doing all of those things that, that are kind of part of the more kind of amorphous uh, L of this scholar-athlete leader that, that we kind of get get at. So, um, so I had fun here today. I don't know about you. Me too, sir. It was great. (laughs) All right. So good. So we'll try to do these a little more here on different subjects. I think, you know, we talk about this so much when we get together that, you know, we're just going to take random topics or topics that we're always talking about and be able to, you know, chat about them for, you know, half an hour to 40, 40 minutes or so. Or topics that you email in to me at Trish at gainservicecademyadmission.com. Yeah. Yeah, you can email me too if you find if you can find me on the on, on the website. <laughs> you can find me. You can message me on Facebook or wherever we're located. So you figure well, you can figure that out. Or or if Trish can't answer it, you, she'll she'll forward it to me. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right, Trish. It was great talking with you today, and uh, we'll see you next time. Sounds good, sir. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks for listening to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. If you like what we're doing please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care and we'll see you next time.